Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and Caleb, our normal co-host, literally popped on the screen three seconds ago. So, Caleb, I'm glad you made it. I was getting ready to go solo for a couple minutes until you got here. I see you trimmed your beard, so let's start with that. Did your wife make you do it, or did you get, did you get tired of it? I got tired. I got tired of it. I decided I got tired of watching yours grow faster than I could keep up with. So I decided <laughs> I put a put a quarter inch blade on and I trimmed it on down. It's a comfortable length. It really is. I mean, if you're going like to do it, was, it, that's a good spot. I really felt like it was getting just about to the right length where I could be, consider myself a, a radical religious person. But mm-hmm. it was getting to the point where it was also annoying. So <laughs> I decided I'd just let you be the radical side of the podcast well, and I'd go back and, to you know, normal. <laughs> You know, I've thought about that as far as, okay, so that commandment in the Bible, you know, not to mar the edges of your beard. And there are several folks that have a religious conviction to let their beard just grow. And they believe that's what uh, God wants them to do. How does Mm -hmm. that work when certain ethnicities get saved and want to they feel convicted to do that because there are certain groups of people that just don't grow beards very well. Right. Now, the Jews have historically not had that problem. I mean, you know, from the time of Moses and Aaron, you know, you read about details of these guys and their beards, which seemed impressive. We know Jesus had a beard. Seems like all the Jews had no problem with beards, but you know, and if Judaism ever moved up to Ireland and Scotland, no problem. Right. You know, but if the Native Americans or, you know, most of Eastern Asia ever got a hold of the Old Testament, I don't know what they'd do as far as, you know, growing a beard. <clears throat> it just, it doesn't, it, it's, you know, it doesn't seem to work for everybody, <clears throat> which is fine. Well, yeah, I also was I was also feeling a bit judged by my beard on here, so I figured I'd just go ahead and trim it back down so that you wouldn't be over there judging me. So Well I, just, I decided to use that as segue. an on ramp back onto oh. back onto the roadway here as far as <laughs> our topic segue. tonight. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> so <clears throat> um real quick before we get going, let me just make a brief announcement because it usually takes everyone a minute to find us on the page and click over here. So <clears throat> um for everyone, uh you should understand that Next week, I believe the uh, topic is going to be hell, and the title of it is Hell is Real. So we're going to be talking about hell uh, after, nope, nope, I lied to you, that's two weeks from today. Next week is idols and idolatry, so that's going to be an exciting one. Um, I think some interesting stuff will come up from that, especially with Caleb and I and our views. Then the following week will be about hell, hell is real. Now, Facebook just changed their platform. So as I post these things, we used to have it set up so they would get posted just one week in advance because they updated something that feature's not there. So I'm just going to list like six or eight of the next weeks and they're all going to be up there. So you don't have to, you know, wait in anticipation for the next one. You're just going to see what the next month or so has in store. So I just want everyone to be aware of that. Uh, Just Go to our Facebook page and then look at the events and you'll see what's going on. And just before people hop off of this, um, him talking about the fact that hell is real, we want to let you guys know that we do believe in a very 
socially accepting it's a kinder, gentler version of hell. It's like yeah. a 21st century hell, not it's like the basically, old kind of like yeah, nasty no, hell. Yeah. Aaron Brimstone. No, it's basically lukewarm. I mean, lukewarm is a com- phrase. That phrase yeah, has it's been, been trodden down. It's been completely remodeled. It's it, yeah. hell isn't hell isn't really that bad. 21st century kind of ecumenical community church type hell. Really, there will be inclusive. there will be a place in there for everybody. It doesn't matter your, your race or your yep. yeah ethnicity nope well whoever you are okay there's a spot there for you so so today we're talking about judging others now i have seen now (laughs) i've seen some funny things going around the internet over the years my favorite one is it has matthew 7 listed and then it has every single word except for the first two in Matthew 7 scribbled out because Matthew 7 starts off by saying, judge not. And then every other word is scribbled out. And it's funny because that's the misconception so many Christians have as far as uh, judging one another. They simply think it is forbidden and that's it. And end of story. Wait, so you mean you've heard this verse taken out of context? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Matthew seven. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, well, I thought this was, this is the one verse that everybody tucks away in their heart. You know, where the Bible says thy word have I hid in my heart. Everybody tucks away Matthew seven, even if they've never opened their Bible, they seem to know it. Yeah. They know the first first one. Yeah. (laughs) Not allowed to judge. No judging out of you. Don't judge me. And really the, the thing is people don't define their terms. What they mean is You're not allowed to hold me to any standard whatsoever. That's what they mean when they say, don't you judge me. You know, you're not allowed to judge. And it's like, okay, and we're going to get into that. But the fact is, this book is just full of standards. I mean, it's full of standards for you and for me. And guess what? They're the same for you as they are for me. So it's not like we can't see whether someone is living up to that standard or just thumbing their nose at it and but when that's we your see- truth oh man you're just <laughs> lighting me up today okay so that's a great point so that whole idea which i caleb's just trying to get under my skin with all these buzzwords that i totally reject because there's no such thing as your truth or my truth there is the truth that's it there is the truth and the truth has no agenda Okay, it is true whether you want it to be or not. I always tell everyone, I don't like everything this book says. I really don't. Okay, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true and I have to deal with it. And no matter what I think or how I feel, it doesn't change what the truth is. So you brought up that saying, Caleb, tell me sometime you've heard that used or someone threw that one at you, you know, the your truth thing. Oh, yeah. Because I'm thinking of one story that I want to tell you about that is comical, but surely you've had someone use that as their defense. Well, that's your truth, meaning I don't have to listen to it because that's what right. you believe. Well, yeah, I, I, I mentioned at one point, I mentioned somebody, something to someone. I uh, said, you know, the Bible says, know, know the truth and the truth shall set, your, set, set you free. Sure. And he said, well. That depends on if it's your truth or my truth. And I said, well, yeah, because you may not like freedom. I mean, it, it, your truth may not include freedom. So you may, maybe you don't want to be set set free. So, yeah, you go with your truth and let's forget freedom. 
Well, and you know, it, it comes down to what, what's called moral relativism. So the idea that there is a right and a wrong, a definitive line, it's black and white, there is no figuring it out or arguing about it, or it doesn't change. Okay, right is right and wrong is wrong. And, and, and what we believe, and Caleb, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to tell, so I should say what I believe, and Caleb can comment on this, I believe that this book transcends time, culture, language, gender, age. It doesn't matter. It transcends all of those things. So what God wrote down thousands of years ago in this book is still applicable today. Right is right and wrong is wrong, and that never changes no matter how much society changes. Any thoughts on that? Well, you mentioned that it trans transcends gender and age, but I think that if you, depending on your sexual orientation and your gender and your race, <laughs> maybe it doesn't apply because you may have another truth that a white male can't understand. Oh, you want me to stop playing the devil's advocate here? <laughs> no, you can keep going. Uh, <laughs> So, well, and I had this, I had this conversation with um, an old friend of mine who goes to the university here in town. And, you know, because of that, he's certainly smarter than the Bible, you know, if not everyone else. And he was explaining to me how, you know, you know, it's an antiquated book and, you know, uh, that, that might be right for their time, but not right for us. And I was like, oh, so right and wrong, you know, depends on what? And he's like, well, you know, that, you know, and he used the your truth, my truth kind of thing. And I said, okay, so, so let me ask you this, depending on the culture, what is right and wrong changes. And he's like, well, yeah, I said, okay, so let's take a jaunt on over to Saudi Arabia, where it's illegal to be Jewish in that country. It's also against the law to be gay. Okay, women are not even allowed to open up bank accounts, have a job, you know, drive a car. I said, are those things okay? And all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, you're stuck in a spot because it's like, well, I don't really want to say that. But if right. I don't agree with that, then I'm kind of, you know, running right back into myself and in the argument that I just laid out. So either <clears throat> wrong is wrong, no matter what country you're in, <clears throat> or it's not. And if you want to say moral relativism, then really what you're saying is, in Iran, it is totally okay to find certain groups of people and drag them out of their house and <clears throat> stone them to death with rocks in the street. And that behavior is acceptable because that's what's acceptable in their culture. But that's not the case. Okay. You know, right morality uh, transcends countries, culture, gender, age, you know, all of those things. Okay, so before we get <clears throat> too far off into the weeds, what do you think of when I say, you know, we're going to be talking about judging one another today? Okay, what comes to mind? I mean, what were you, well, what were you obviously, expecting? <laughs> obviously, my mind was Matthew 7. <laughs> okay, and I'm there. I'm there too. I yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, I've heard that thrown <laughs> at me so many times that sometimes it just makes you sick where it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, anytime that you, and I'm talking about from even from Christians, not even just from the non-Christian, the non-Christian will use that verse against you as well. Like, oh, well, you're a Christian. You can't judge me. Sure. But sure. Um, there has to be a healthy, there has to be a healthy way that we 
can judge because the Bible is yep. full of this. So obviously this, mm-hmm. if, if we look at this in context, which I think it's just as dangerous to read Matthew seven, <clears throat> verse one, without reading the rest of the chapter as it is to read other portions of scripture. Um, and so without, you know, out of context, you can take the Bible and you can use it to say, you could really use the Bible to say whatever you want. Um, sure. So, I I won't I have it do the whole read the whole chapter it? thing. There's no, there's only six verses. <clears throat> all right, go, go ahead, go ahead and read it. Instead of doing all six verses, let's just read a verse or two and then pause. Okay, so verse one is "Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again." Okay, so let's just work with verses one and two for now. So <clears throat> right there, it's a, <clears throat> the, the easy one is this. If you don't want to be judged, the Bible gives clear instructions on to the best way to avoid it. Don't judge anybody else. That's the easiest way to avoid having this happen to you. But even with that, <clears throat> it says the caution is not to not judge anybody ever. The caution is how you do it and why you do it. And that's what verses one through six go over. It actually gives instructions on how to do it. So obviously it's not saying don't ever judge anyone. And there are several other verses that I brought up that I'll ask you about in a little bit, but it's talking about, you have to understand that the way you do it is the way it's gonna be done to you. So make sure you understand the appropriate way to do it biblically. Okay, so Caleb, have you had instances where you have judged someone and done a poor job of it and judged someone and done it well and seen results that have varied based on that? Um, Yes, yes and no. And I think um, I think the speaking. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think, come on here with a, a for instance as far as how, how that has or hasn't played out well. But what I would say is a, a a good rule of thumb. And if we go on to to verse three here, it's going to explain some of that. Mm-hmm. But um, a good rule of thumb is not to judge somebody um, and condemn them for something that you yourself are guilty of, because that's <laughs> hypocritical. So if you yourself have a habit of stealing. Um, let's say, say you go and you steal a pack of water bottles from in front of the convenience store every once in a while and, mm-hmm. a, and a bag of ice to go with it. And then you see somebody else go do the same thing and you point, point a finger at them. That would obviously, that's kind of a, a, an apples for apples comparison. And so we can see that that would be, you know, quite hypocritical of you to say, Oh, look, he just stole when you just did the same thing yourself. But oftentimes if you, if you look here into uh, verse three, it says, for I beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but consider it's not the beam that's in thine own eye. Um, so here we have somebody that they seem to have a bigger problem than the person that they were judging. And rather than addressing their own problem, they were, they were going after somebody else. I think it's, I think it's always important for us to, there's one thing that we aren't supposed to judge in somebody else and that's their salvation. It's, it's one thing for us to, to, um, to how, how would you, especially if you're in ministry or shepherding somebody and you see somebody going off and doing something that's going to cause them damage, there's nothing wrong with gently shepherding them and saying, Hey brother, 
you know, you're, you're living in sin here, you're doing this wrong. And to be able to gently, you know, walk them through something like that. And you're seeing the bad fruit in their life and you're, and you're able to call them out. If you were, if you think about a shepherd and you, and a flock and you see a, the shepherd sees a flock, the a sheep that goes astray from the side, from the rest of the flock and they're, you know, off hanging, hanging around a place that's known to have a den of wolves. And, and the shepherd comes to them and says, Hey, I noticed that you're not sticking with the rest of the flock. You're off on your own over here doing this. And you need to stay with the rest of us. And they're like, Hey, don't judge me, you know, leave me alone. I want to do, do my own thing over here. That's, that's the kind of thing that we deal with in Christianity oftentimes is anytime that you try to address some, somebody and save them from uh, their own peril that they're headed toward is they want to throw that at you and say, Hey, it's none of your business. Don't, don't, don't be judging me. Well, if you go, if you go on down here, it says for us to first cast the beam out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly cast out the moat from their brother's eye. So I think that sometimes we do need to make sure that before we go around judging people, that we're willing to deal with sin in our own lives and not be a hypocrite, not live in sin intentionally, <clears throat> and then go around and pick, pick that out in somebody else's life. Go ahead. You made two really good points. One <clears throat> is uh, the hypocrisy, which... <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Jesus brought up against his favorite group, uh, the Pharisees, over and over and over again. And one of the problems with the Pharisees was <clears throat> not the way that they were living. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually compliments the Pharisees a couple of times, and he makes big compliments towards them. His issue with them was that they were hypocritical. And they had some horrible sins in their life, <clears throat> yet they were the ones that were um, uh, pointing out everyone else's problems. And they were usually pointing out very small problems uh, about a lot of the people. And they had major issues going on in their life. So one of the things you see there in Matthew is that the, the two words that the Bible uses here is a moat and a beam. So if, if you think of a moat, we're talking about like a little speck of sawdust, you know, something where you just kind of like hold your eye and just, you know, blow on it and you can get it out of your eye. And, and that's the person that you are going to and judging. Okay. They have this little speck of sawdust. And meanwhile, you're walking around with this beam out of your eye. So we're talking about like, I'd say a four by four or greater, you know, I mean, a big honking piece of lumber, and it's meant to give an image that's comical because it's like, why would you be looking at anyone's eye for a speck of sawdust to blow out when you have this huge problem in your life? So the idea is that the best place to start with judgment is in the mirror in the morning when you're brushing your teeth or for, you know, for some of the <clears throat> uh, girlier men shaving. So... <clears throat> That's where you want judgment. Coming from my non-judgmental co-host here. <laughs> I, you know, I could have said trimming your beard, you know, but I didn't. I held back and I said shaving. So you were included in the righteous group over here. But <clears throat> if you want to be divisive, Caleb, that's fine. I almost you. took it all the way off, but I, I knew no, that you, you would didn't. stumble over that. <laughs> so I decided to leave just enough. Well, and since I'm in charge of the video, I would have just kicked him right off and been like, come back in two weeks when you. <laughs> okay, so, so you brought up, ahead. you brought up as far as Jesus complimenting the Pharisees. And I, mm -hmm. um, I just pulled this up, Matthew 23. Um, 
and it's also recorded in some of the other gospels, Luke mm -hmm. as well. But uh, Matthew 23, then speak Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not do ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Um, and so this here indicates that he's he's not disputing the truth that the scribes and Pharisees held. What they the scribes and Pharisees were actually speaking the truth, and he didn't have any contention with that. The contention that he had is the fact that they weren't living what they preached. They were they were forcing other people to live by their and and possibly even adding extra burdens onto them. But then the, themselves, they were living as hypocrites, uh, pointing out the flaws in other people. Uh, so I think this is this brings up, I mean, it's, there's probably other, I'm not sure if there's other, for instances, where you're talking about the compliments there, but you can, you can be right. You can actually be, you can be on the right side of logic or truth, but be on the wrong side as far as the way that we are supposed to act as Christians. If you're, if you're pointing out somebody else's flaw while you yourself are not willing to, to live by that. And that doesn't mean that, um, I mean, I, I don't, of course, here, here we're getting into the, almost to the second half of the, half of the episode, which is going to be an instructional video for how to judge properly <laughs> rather than the well, do not judge. And you know what? I, I, that was part of what I wanted to get into, really, because, okay, so, <clears throat> and, and and I don't want to cut you off, and forgive me if, if no, I ahead. am. I, I felt like you were getting uh, through your point there. So <clears throat> let's take a quick look at the remainder of this section. So picking it up in verse four. So it says, or, um, no, 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 no. Or how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye when they have a beam in thine eye? Okay, in verse 5, thou hypocrite. Now, verse 5 is so important, and, and notice the next word. Okay, it says, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So it doesn't say that we are not to help our brother out with the sawdust in his eye. It just says that if you are going to do it first, you got to get rid of the beam out of your own eye. So it, it does give instructions. Now, this is what I've come up with from this verse. Not only do we have a prerequisite, meaning in the morning when you're brushing your teeth, look in that mirror, and that's where you start the judgment, okay? Straighten out your own life and make sure you're doing well. The second thing is that the only time it is okay to judge someone is when you are going to help them, because that's what this guy is doing. He's getting something out of his brother's eye. That is a good and kind and helpful act. Now, it, it says to get it to help him get it out. It doesn't say to sit back and laugh about the fact that it's in there. You got it. Yep. We're not talking about judging from across the room and gossiping. We're, this is somebody you love. You're helping them. Okay. Now, here's another idea, Caleb. And this is what I get from this, from this verse and from a couple others that we'll get to. I believe the person who does it should get no enjoyment or satisfaction out of pointing out this speck of sawdust in his brother's eye. As a matter of fact, this person, this person should find it distasteful and not want to do it. 
if anyone gets any satisfaction out of pointing out a shortcoming in their friend or family or whoever, you're doing it wrong and you're not the right. person to do it. This is an act of love for the betterment of your brother to help lift them up and bring them closer to God. What do you think? No, absolutely. I was just having a conversation with um, actually a friend of mine that I go to church with the other day about this very topic. And um, there's actually over the last um, few months, there's been a couple of situations that have come up in church where I was somewhat involved in in um, something that had had to be addressed. And I told him, I said, just so that you know, going forward, I want to make sure that if something else comes up, I'm not going to be involved in it because I don't want to become the, the church morality police here. Um, and if I would have realized, um, you know, with this first situation that came up, if I'd have realized then that this other situation was going to come up, I would have stepped down and not been involved with the first situation because now in the last year I've been involved in two situations and you hate to, you hate to do that. And I, of course, I mean, this says to uh, the same, the same way that you judge others, you're going to be judged yourself, which of course, we're all going to be judged for our actions anyways. But this comes down to, um, this definitely comes down to, I, I don't think that you can't escape God's judgment no matter what, but you, you put yourself, you set yourself up to fall into the same sin that somebody else is when you, when, if you're not careful, if you, um, if you become prideful in your heart, because you feel like you've already, you know, you, you're walking around with this beam in your eye and picking out sawdust in somebody else's uh, eyes before long, you're going to be the one that's, that, that's falling. Um, there is, I think what you what you brought up there, the fact that this is there's um, this is specifically talking about a brother. There's plenty of other places in Scripture that it does talk about discerning. In some cases, having nothing to do with them. If you go on um, down to uh, I, I got verse those six. verses later. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Stay, no, no, no. Stay in Matthew. Go ahead with verse six. Yeah. Well, yeah. Verse six here it says, "Give not that which is holy unto the dogs; neither cast ye your pearls before swine, unless they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you." Um, and so, this obviously takes a bit of judgment here to to just determine if somebody is is a dog or, or swine. I mean, these are pretty harsh words that Jesus is using here. Um, so obviously there's a, quite a few, this really goes into kind of ins instructions on, ins uh, on, on, on making judgment, healthy judgment. Um, you mentioned earlier that you've seen this. I've never actually seen Matthew seven with all the other words crossed out. But um, when you mentioned that, I, I looked up Psalm chapter 14 and I thought this is a good a kind of a good parallel when you see when you see a non-christian um using matthew 7 to say don't judge me you know yeah i'm living in mm -hmm. sin or you don't like my lifestyle but don't judge me because the bible says judge not um if you go to um matthew i'm sorry psalms chapter 14 um uh, verse 1 says there is no god mm -hmm. but you have to take that out of context it says the fool <laughs> hath said in his heart there is no god Sure. But I could I could say, well, the Bible says there is no God. The Bible says there's no God. Yeah. <laughs> and this is how dangerous it is, how dangerous it is to take something out of context. The Bible is full of passages mm -hmm. telling us to um, inspect the fruit in somebody's life, to yeah. to make judgments of whether or not somebody's a, a false prophet or, or not. I mean, in Matthew seven goes on to address that specific issue. And so 
we obviously would be holding, we would be, if we were claiming that God is saying that we should never, ever judge under any circumstances, we, that would be a contradiction to his word. And, and we don't believe that his word contradicts itself. Like you said, it's true regardless of the time, uh, the culture, whatever. Okay. So I got an, a couple of verses here where the Bible talks about, and keep in mind again, you know, and th- let me ask you this, because this is something that w- we should bring up that, and and honestly, I haven't looked into this. So tell me if I'm t- if I'm way off here and I'm totally contrary to the Bible. But I don't see the benefit in the Christian trying. Oh, I'll say I don't know how I want to say it. Given a hard time to or judging the world, and by that, what I mean is putting effort into trying to make the world holy. The way I see it is it's not, it's never going to be okay. Our goal is to redeem the hearts of the world, find the lost and get them saved. And the Holy spirit enters them and then change can occur. Whereas I never see in the Bible, Paul and Peter and Silas and Barnabas, you know, in the book of acts going out or anyone in the old Testament, you know, Noah being the preacher of righteousness I don't see them going out and trying to make the world less wicked. Okay. They tried to get the lost saved and then they tried to make the saved strong. You know, I have never seen the value in judging the world. How, what, you know, Oh, you're going to point right. out the shortcomings of the world and try to get them to live righteously. All right. Good luck. It's not going to happen. They have well, their spirit is dead. They don't have God in their life. And 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 the Bible is foolishness to them. It's just not going to work. Right. Go ahead. Well, there hear. is, um, I would say that there, there was quite a few, um, there's very few men in the Bible that had any qualms about calling out sin as it was um, and, mm-hmm. and being able to, to recognize recognize that the world around them was messed up and going oh, yeah. against God. But like, like you said, um, there, the way that we, the way that we interact with an unsaved person is not to, is not to try to help them deal with this issue in their life or that issue with their life. Um, God is able to work with somebody when they come to the end of themselves and there's mm-hmm. a death or, and resurrection spiritually where they, mm-hmm. you know, you don't just patch them up and put it, you know, put another bandaid on their life and try to make it better they come to the point of, of needing a new birth and new life. And so there is, I think there is a point of, of it doesn't do us a lot of good to sit around and, and, and nitpick somebody's life. that's not a Christian. Um, they don't like, like I said before, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to force somebody else to live a moral lifestyle or to, or to be a to live up to my standards as a Christian. If they're not a Christian, they can, you know, if they're not a Christian, that's what the law is there for is to, is to stop them from doing evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I think there is um, there is sometimes God uses our realization of the sin in our life in order to to lead us to repentance. And so there's nothing wrong with us being able to call out sin. Absolutely. <clears throat> no, even you're in right. An unsaved and, person. And absolutely. The Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit's job in I think it's John chapter 14 for the lost is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, to point out that they are sinners, God is righteous, they will be judged, therefore they need a savior. You know, and actually when you when you find out a lot of these guys, when they are preaching to the lost world, they start with sin. 
because what's the point of a savior unless you have a sin problem that you need fixed? And right. I'm not saying, and, and keep in mind, though, those are instances where they are trying to get them saved. So sin absolutely has its place, you know, in salvation without it. You know, what's the, what do you need salvation for if, sin, if there's no sin problem? Um, <clears throat> really, my, my thought was uh, the, the Christian that is trying to clean up the world and right. try to make it less sinful. You're going to you know, wear I, out. <laughs> you're going to wear out, burn exactly. out. Yep. <clears throat> um, okay, so now go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to change gears here, but I don't want to cut you off. No, you're you're good. I'll just uh, quick grab this. Um, Chris had mentioned this First Corinthians passage here, mm-hmm. and and this is something that I that I briefly touched on a bit ago, where I said I think that the one thing that we aren't supposed to do as Christians is to is to judge is to judge somebody else's salvation. And what I mean by that is, um, and I think we touched on this on our, on another recent episode, where I talked about the parable of the sower. And going out and and um, and trying to decide who is the wheat and who is the chaff, so to speak, and us, especially in the situation of of church discipline, feeling that somehow that we have the right as to be as God and to judge men that they that they're held accountable to us and that we need to somehow punish them for their for their sin or for their evil deeds. That we we need to realize that that punishment is up to God, not us. We don't need to be in the business of, of judging somebody aside from trying to help them. You know, people fall into mm-hmm. sin. They mess their lives up. They don't need us. They don't need us as a church to be there to kick them when they're down or to try yeah. to, we, you know, pull out the, pull out the chaff. And in the meantime, we pull out a lot of the wheat with it. Um, we, we say, mm-hmm. Oh, well, this person doesn't seem to be a Christian. They must not be, they must not be a Christian and we should, we should, you know, put them out. We can end up in a very dangerous position when we do that, um, and so that's where I think that us being judgmental in the in the place of, of thinking that somebody else answers to me rather than they answer to God, um, I have been on the receiving end of judgment like that, where where somebody was cast, you know putting judgment on me, and they were just as wrong as could be about about their judgment. They had no idea what was going on in my life, but yet they were uh, putting all kinds of condemnation on me and judging me based off of their flawed understanding of me and. And, you know, I get message after message after message from them telling, telling me how doomed I am and how evil I am and how my heart, you know, they somehow understood the intentions of my heart and, and whatever. And I, I could not, could not see that that would ever be helpful for me to do that to another Christian as me on the receiving mm-hmm. end of that. Um, it doesn't, it's not helpful to have somebody that is wrong. And I know they're wrong about it, standing in the place of God and, and trying to, carry out judgment for God on me. Sure. And I, I, that actually helped me understand the idea of judge not now shall not be judged in a lot different way. Um, and it was coming in the form of false, you know, false accusations, bearing false witness mm-hmm. against me. Um, and so it really cleared it up for me a little bit. I think that as Christians, one thing that we tend to end up doing is, well, you had already mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's easy to sit across the room from somebody, laugh at them, uh, poke fun at them because they have this problem or that problem without actually walking beside them and trying to help them through it. And the other mm-hmm. thing is, is you cannot judge somebody off of your assumption of what's going on inside their head, in their heart, their motives. You have to stick with facts because you can easily cross the line of assuming, and you may be right on some of it, but you may be wrong. And pretty soon you're bearing false witness against somebody and your judgment becomes a becomes a uh, false accusation against them. So I, I've seen that um, 
I've been on the receiving end of that. I've probably done that to people at times where I assumed that they were wrong. And then I, you know, years later, I look back and I was like, wait, you know, they, they really, they really weren't as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <clears throat> one thing that you find out is that this all works out really well when the, 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 if you have the prerequisite uh, being love and compassion, because I have gone to people with that spirit and it's worked out really well. And I've had people come to me with that spirit and it's worked out really well. And I've had people come to me with the wrong spirit and it can put you on your heels and make you uh, defensive and make you angry. Whereas when you know the person talking to you loves you and wants the best for you, it's a lot easier to be open and have a soft heart and talk to them about anything that they want. And that's why one of my rules is um, I never want to confront someone if I feel like I will get some kind of satisfaction out of doing so. It, so here, here's the idea that a lot of people never grow past, okay? It's, it's the idea of the two candles. So hopefully you have all gotten your spoon in the mail by now. They were serialized, they're numbered, they were engraved with a personal message. So hopefully everyone's gotten that gift. If you don't know about that, go back to our baptism podcast and you'll learn about the spoons. Now we're going to sell you a pair of candles, okay? These are nice candles. So the idea behind the two candles is that Caleb has a candle, I have a candle. We're both standing in a dark room looking around trying to figure out why the power's out. Now, what can I do to make my candle appear brighter? There's only one thing I can do, and that's blow out his candle. Now, it won't make my candle any brighter but it'll appear brighter because I've blown out his. And a lot of people, they get their self-worth from cutting the legs out from underneath other people. And that's how they feel good and they feel better than them. And I believe that's what the Pharisees were doing. I believe the Pharisees were professional candle blower outers. Okay, that's what they did all the time. We should take and, that clip out and put that as a promo for the Bible Thumper. <laughs> I, Patrick Hayes, believes that the Pharisees were professional candle blower outers. <laughs> so, the, the, the were you homeschooled? Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. So, the Pharisees knew the law and they knew it well, but they didn't use it to help anyone. They didn't use, so you mentioned before, Caleb, Psalm 14, and I wanted to mention Psalm 23. Okay, so this is a a famous psalm. We've heard this a million times. In verse four, we read, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And Caleb was making mention of this before, and he used the analogy of a shepherd. And you have to understand that the rod and the staff were used for two different purposes. 
So the rod was something that was used. That was the stick that was used to beat off the wolves and to whack the sheep when they got out of out of line. And it talks about the rod and the staff comforting me. And it's funny that David put the rod first. So the rod was something used for correction. We read about that using the rod of reproof and and using the rod with our children. So this was the physical discipline portion that would be used on the sheep when necessary. But you got to remember that the shepherd, okay, if anyone's ever been to Israel and seen what they do with shepherds. And it doesn't just have to be Israel. This is done all around the world where you will have shepherds that they, they end up on the same hillside. There's two shepherds and the sheep are just boom mixed together. And you have 2000 sheep. Okay. From two huge flocks, the way they separate the sheep is they have one shepherd walk up on a hillside to one side and the other uh, shepherd walks up to the other side on a hill and the sheep naturally separate out because they know their shepherd's voice and they will come to him. And, and if, if that sounds familiar, it's because you've read it in the book of John. Okay, my sheep hear my voice and they, they okay, they know it. And that's Jesus talking about it. And the problem was the Pharisees were all rod and no staff. Or as we would say today, they were all stick and no carrot. So they were, they were doing a very poor job of being the shepherd that Jesus tried to explain through the Old Testament and tried to, to, to use it, which was a great analogy, but it just wasn't done well because the Pharisees, all they would do is use the rod and beat up on the sheep and they would blow out their candle and it wasn't helping and nobody wanted to follow them. They were just being abused by these guys rather than... <clears throat> the group of shepherds that would leave the 90 and nine and go in search of the one because they loved every single one. And they, they, it was so important to them. Okay. That uh, they would go out of their way and risk harm in order to, to save that one. So that's the problem with judgment is that if there's no love and compassion from the person coming to point out a flaw in your life, it's not going to go well. And Caleb, I find this is the same with my kids. Okay, when I point out a flaw, if I come to them in the right spirit, <clears throat> they take it so much differently. And their, their, their spirit is not crushed. And, you know, it's easy to take. And they know that their dad loves them and he just wants the best for them. And it's a lesson that every parent and every, you know, uh, godly leader has to learn how to do. And I, I think if they don't, they're going to end up on the, the side of the candle blower outers instead of the, you know, <clears throat> staff lifter uppers. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. It's a little wordy. We'll, we'll see if we can make that, that saying a little more concise. Yeah. Well, so you, uh, you brought up the, the rod and the staff and uh, from what I understand, I'm not, I'm not a shepherd, but we used to have mm-hmm. sheep. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, nowadays it's a little different. So they're not just grazing off in the, in the wild. They're actually yeah. in a, you know, they're fenced in, a pen, in it's whatever. It's not open range. Sure. But we had, um, uh, these uh, shepherd's crooks and I'm assuming that these are, I mean, if you, when you see pictures of the, the, uh, shepherds on, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, at Christmas time with their out in their, 
their flocks. That's that's what the staff was. I don't think it was just two sticks. The the one had a mm-hmm. hook, and they actually would, put, you know, they could use that to put around the sheep's neck to to mm-hmm. pull them, drag them if they needed to off of the edge of the cliff or wherever they might mm-hmm. be stuck. And so um, I think that sometimes I guess we could. I'm not sure if we could come up with a more socially, uh, culturally relevant version of the rod and the staff now. <laughs> if it would be like. Stick I'm not and sure carrot, what... man. Stick and carrot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but a carrot, they... I don't think a sheep is going to follow a carrot. I don't know. <laughs> right. Maybe they would. I don't know. But anyways, it's 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 kind of crazy how David was was saying that he was comforted by God, sometimes um, correcting him against his will. I mean, as mm-hmm. and sometimes a shepherd, a shepherd may have to be somewhat harsh. And I've had people that have come to me with. Um, concerns or or things that were not brought to me gently or in Mm -hmm. a i mean i couldn't sense a lot of love but one thing that i've always tried to to keep in mind the bible says blessed is the man that is not easily offended and Mm -hmm. um i should have pulled that up um i'll look up i i found that you can easily go on the on the uh defense as soon as you uh, you assume or, or, or sense that somebody else is on the offense. And as Christians, when we're, when we're really should, should have the attitude of turning the other cheek, uh, being, being okay with somebody even falsely accusing us and considering, considering that to be a blessing from God, um, or that we're supposed to count that as joy when, when we, when those things happen to us, I think that, um, we really should be very careful about quickly jumping to the conclusion of wanting to pull a verse like Matthew seven out saying, Hey, don't judge me. You know, Mm -hmm. the Bible says not to judge me. We should, we should always assume that if somebody sees a concern, no matter how wrong they are about it, that we should try to see if there's any truth in it before we go on the defense. And we should try to, we should try to be willing to apply that before we get offended. They may be wrong and we may not even need to explain ourselves to them and tell them, tell them why we think they're wrong. Sometimes I found it to be very helpful for me to just say, um, you know, thanks for your concern. I appreciate that. At the time, maybe I couldn't see the truth in it. Uh, but over time, I was able to recognize it by not having jumped to the point of trying to defend myself right away. And that I think is, um, and of course, I've, I've kind of harped on this recently, hopefully not too many times, but I, I, I am concerned about the way that the way that we tr- treat relationships within the church as Americans because we are very much into our freedom, into our rights, into people staying out of our business. Don't tread on me. You know, we're very much, we kind of have a culture here of, um, oh, there you pulled it up, Matthew 11, 6, blessed is he who I think that's it. Is that the one? shall not be offended in me. Yep, that's it. So I just read it for those that can't read <laughs> it off the screen. <laughs> well done. Which will be, well that will be helpful Caleb. eventually here in 2022 or whatever, when we get this actually on a podcast yeah, platform. When this is on a, oh yeah. <clears throat> when this, you're listening to this on Google play that, that verse we just put up on the screen will help everybody. <clears throat> so anyways, I think that there can be, um, there can be judgment that, that is passed in the wrong way. And there can be people that bring concerns about it in the wrong way. But I think we should still, as Christians, we should be able to take truth. You know, maybe we take it with a grain of salt, but that we should be able to take it kindly and not become defensive. 
and that we can oftentimes um, take the pressure off of the person that is trying to trying to bring you know not don't always assume that somebody is out to get you when they when they call you out on something sometimes yeah. we need that and we should give somebody the benefit of the doubt and not always assume that the problem is with the messenger um, especially if it's a blatant sin issue where somebody is clearly you know against scripture um, I don't think that we should sit around and wait for the perfect person or the perfect method before we're willing to confront a situation like that. We may get it wrong, um, but if we do it in love from the get-go and we're not, and, and like I said before, you have to stick with the facts. Don't go beyond the facts. And I found that to be, you can know a fact or know something, but if there's not um, a second or third witness, if there's not any kind of verification of that fact, it's sometimes it's not helpful to bring that up because it can be perceived as a false accusation on your part. So sometimes it's best to really stick with the facts that you know, things that you have hard evidence for and, and just present it very simply and say, this is what's happening. And then just, and, and then just leave it and not, not string it out into, um, you know, into getting to the point of possibly being false accusation. Um, and then, and then at that point, let it go, let them deal with it. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have to, sometimes as a shepherd or as a brother that loves somebody, when you do speak the truth in love, you can speak it in order to hope for redemption, but you don't have to force that either. Sometimes you, you can let, you know, you can continue to be their friend, love them and, and walk with them aside from regardless of what they do with that truth. And I've found that to be helpful for me when there's been brothers that have have dropped a bomb in my life at times and said, Hey, what are you, you know, what's up with this? And then they, and they, and they just left it there. They said, you can pray about it. And then they, they just mm -hmm. left it. And, and by them not continuing to try to fix my life for me and le leaving me the time might've taken me a while, but eventually God, God does speak. And sometimes, and I don't know where, where you think that you draw, that we draw the line with this as far as passing judgment. Sometimes I don't think it's necessary for us to bring something up. And I'm not sure if you, know, you have any, <clears throat> Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to get, I was going to get to that next. Um, yeah. and, and okay. Can, can I, let me read two verses and give you an yep. idea of where this is going. Okay. So, uh, the, the two verses I want to bring up, I'm going to put on the screen and I'm going to read them. I didn't put them in the order. I'm going to read them. So starting in second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six, it says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So <clears throat> this is a verse that explains and you can, I, I would recommend everyone read the chapter for context. But this is talking about there are people brothers. So we're talking about saved people, probably in the church that you're going to, that you should uh, not spend time with. Okay. It's going to be bad for you. The next one is 1 Corinthians 5.11. It says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man, again, that is called a brother, talking about saved people here, <clears throat> be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such and one know not to eat. So here it also says not to keep company with certain people if they are saved and they have these sins actively going on in their life that they are not, you know, doing anything about. They're just living in it and just doing it. Then it says, do not keep company with them. And for that matter, do not eat with them. So, okay, so you're not supposed to hang out with them. You're not supposed to have a meal with them. And these are verses that are 
I would say we could probably do another <clears throat> session, another hour on church discipline, which you mentioned in Matthew, I think it's 18, but we didn't really get into it. <clears throat> and verses like this that talk about as an individual, what our responsibility is when someone is walking disorderly. But one thing you got to understand is there are going to be Christians in your life that fall into these categories. It doesn't mean you have to say anything to them. It's telling you what to do. <clears throat> Actually, it's telling you what not to do. Don't spend time with them because it's going to be bad for you. Now, I have people in my life who I love dearly, but I do not spend time with because they are Christians that fall under these categories. I have Christians also who I love dearly, who fall under these categories, but I was close enough with where I knew it was going to come up and be an issue, so I had to talk about it with them. I didn't want to just avoid them, <clears throat> and it was going to be weird and seem rude, and, and when I was questioned about it, then I would have to bring this up, and they're going to say, well, why didn't you just talk to us about it? And I would say, because I'm an idiot, and I was a coward. You know, so there are times, lots of times, where there are people that the Bible says are not good for you. They are saved people who you can love, you can go to church with, but you have decided it is it is not good for me to be a friend with them as far as a close friend that spends time together and they can influence me and my family and things like that. Um, and I think this, you know, obviously falls under the conversation we're having, which is judging one another. This is talking about, well, oh, we just dropped Caleb. Uh, we'll see if he comes back here. Okay, these verses are clearly talking about uh, a case where you have to see the actions, you have to see the behavior of another Christian, and you have to make a decision. And keep in mind, these are commandments given to you. This isn't telling you that you have to go and talk to these people. This is saying that what you have to do is you have to avoid keeping company with them because it is going to be uh, bad for you. So anyway, I, I thought that was relevant as far as, um, you know, our topic tonight and, you know, judging one another. But these are ones where you don't have to say anything. You can just keep your mouth shut. Okay. Unless God has you to be the person, don't be the person. Personally, I look for every reason not to bring this stuff up because it's very, it's infrequently comfortable or enjoyable. It is always somewhat awkward and uncomfortable. So I would rather never have to bring any of this stuff up. But unfortunately, I have, you have in your church and in your life. And when it's our time to do that, I want to do it humbly with love and compassion. I want to do it uh leading up to it with a lot of prayer as far as what God would have me say and how. And I always trust that, you know, God's hand will guide and direct. And to be honest with you, I've had good experiences almost exclusively. Sometimes it took a while, but almost exclusively I've had really, really good experiences doing this when I believe God wanted me to, and it was done properly. Yeah, I think that um, sometimes there's people that are that are hurting and they're they're struggling with sin in their life and they want help. Mm -hmm. um, there's other times where, uh, and well, for instance, I've got um, 
I don't know, there's probably eight, eight or nine guys that are on a um, accountability software um, account that I have. And it's guys that are where we've all agreed together that we want to help each other to, to stay accountable and to, and to not fall into, you know, looking at pornography and things like that on, online. It's a lot easier to help somebody when they want help. Yeah, <laughs> it takes, no it really takes the confrontation out of it. And I have a, quite a few brothers in my life where I have told them, Hey, if there's ever anything that comes up in my life that you feel like I'm off in, feel free to talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. And that really makes, that really makes it the whole confrontation a lot more comfortable for them and for you when you're open with somebody where they, where they can say, Hey man, what's up with, you know, the fact that you mm-hmm. got braided hair, you know, you're a guy, mm-hmm. you should you know, cut your hair or, you know, whatever it might be that they, that they have their concern with. And you're mm-hmm. like, Oh really? Maybe I should look into this. Um, it makes it a lot, a lot simpler, but most Christians that are, that are struggling with sin probably already know. Oh, they yeah. probably already know. Yeah. They know they shouldn't be doing it. And they, they want to change it. And you being hard on them is not going to help them. Mm. You getting in there and and um, and giving them a piece of your mind isn't necessarily helpful. But making yourself available so that they know that you're there for them and that, you, that you'll pray with them and that you're there to help them and, and, and help bring it through to redemption. Um, I've, I've walked with people through, you know, this situation where they've, fallen back into sin with the same same issue that they've been struggling with for years and they've done better for sometimes you know a year or two and they get back into it and um and these friendships last and they Mm -hmm. it doesn't you don't have to lose friends over this you don't have to these don't have to be situations where you confront somebody with something and they and they get mad at you and and walk away if it's Mm -hmm. done right especially when you realize like jesus said there's the woman at the well there and, and he says he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. When mm-hmm. you yourself are willing to humble yourself and, <clears throat> and deal with something in the, in the spirit of humility, where you know that you yourself are a sinner as well, you've struggled with maybe not the same exact sin, but I mean, if there's any, pretty much any kind of a category for sin out there, I've struggled with it, mm-hmm. whether it be greed or sexual immorality or um, you name it, you, you go through the, down the list of sins and, and I've struggled on some level, maybe not every single level with those things. There's some struggles that I can't comprehend that other people have, but I, I, um, I've still struggled, you know, along the same lines. And so you don't have to, you don't have to, um, I think that for me, it's, it's been very helpful for me to approach a situation like this, being honest and vulnerable about, about my own, my own shortcomings with somebody first, and saying, you know what, I've been here. I understand what it's like, but I, but I, I know, I know this is happening in your life, and I want to be here for you. And also to try to encourage them to. Sometimes, maybe you're not the one that needs to help them. Maybe it's mm-hmm. encouraging them to go and get help from their pastor or from from somebody else. You know, talk with their wife, or you know, depending on what the situation is, encourage them to get help, but not to assume that you need to be the fixer. Sometimes we can be there to, to walk with somebody, and some, but sometimes all we need to do is listen, and we don't need to have the solutions to their problems. Um, they'll find their solutions through God's word and through prayer and through dealing with it themselves, and we don't have to fix it for them. But sometimes we do need to be willing to call out call out um, sin. Uh, the Bible, uh, uh, Matthew 7, back to 7, uh, verse 16, um, it talks about knowing knowing people by their fruit we're clearly called to be fruit inspectors, so to speak. And we are. Um, we're, this is instructing us the same, the same chapter where people 
try to say, oh, don't judge me because the Bible says thou shalt not judge, instructs us to judge. It instructs us to inspect the fruit in somebody's life and to, and to know a tree by its fruit. And so I think that um, there's a healthy, there is a healthy level of discernment that we need to have as Christians without going around as Pharisees, pointing down our noses at people and pointing out their flaws while we ourselves are walking around with our own flaws, which we all have. We all have a ton mm-hmm. of flaws. It's not like I'll ever get to the point of perfection where my life is so perfect that I am in the in the right position to be able to go and judge somebody else's life and straighten it out. Yeah. Personally, I'm too humble constantly. That's one of, that's one of your big flaws. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, <clears throat> and, you, and you're thing, proud of it, right? Yeah. You know, one thing you said, you know, made a lot of sense, Caleb. That I, I can think of a handful of fellows who could talk to me and say, hey, you know, I saw this in your life, uh, you know, and it's something I think you should take a look at or something you need to deal with or that's not, you know, that's not good. Um, And it wouldn't bother me, you know, because I already know that these guys love me. They want my they have my best uh, interests at hand. Um, They want me to do better. You know, they are my fans, if I could, you know, use that term or, you know, or cheerleaders, so to speak. You know, they want me to win and to succeed. And because of that, it would be easy to take correction from them. Um, And for me, if I'm ever going to help someone, I need to make sure that I am their cheerleader. You know, you mentioned something and I didn't want to interrupt you, um, but you were talking about. Um, the way to, you know, when someone has fallen, um, you pick them up, you dust them off. Uh, It is the devil that kicks them while they're down. So the devil uses a carrot and dangles it in front of them and says, come on, come on, come on, reach for it. And then they reach for it and he pulls it out from them and they fall on their face. And then he takes the carrot and he starts beating them with it and turns around and says, you're worthless. How dare you? I can't believe you did that. Okay, so guilt and shame are oftentimes, um, you know, motivators of the devil. <laughs> they're very poor motivators. You know, they're, they're tools of the devil, I should say. Whereas, <clears throat> you know, God has given me a conscience and the Holy Spirit is in me. And when I do wrong, I feel ashamed. And that is, that is natural. The purpose of it is to uh, get me to turn around and come to God. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do for me. But... <clears throat> It's the devil that will kick me while I'm down. Uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they pick me up. They dust me off. They remind me that they love me and they show me the blessings that God has in store for me. And they warn me of the curses if I continue down that road. And they, they, they tell me to choose life and they point me in the right direction. And, you know, God is, God is always there for me. And uh, even more so than the greatest Christian friend or brother that I've ever had, you know, and all of us have gone through both sides of that coin where we've dealt with the Lord helping us. And we've dealt with the devil trying to beat us, you know, uh, and, and kick us while we're down. And it's, it's so obvious and it's so easy, uh, to want to accept help and get back on God's side. You know, and I, again, it, it, it all has to do with the person that I'm going to help. Okay. Have you ever, um, do you guys have dogs down there in Texas? Do you have any pet dogs? No. 
Have you ever had a dog where you go to reach out to pet it and it like jumps back and cowers? Okay, it's because mm -hmm. that dog has been beat up. So most dogs, the healthy response is when you go to bring your hand out, okay, it knows you're going to pet it and it's happy. Okay, so it's the same way with the Christian. Based on the hand that's reaching out, if it's the devil, you cower because you know it's going to hurt you and it's there to damage you. Whereas when it's the Lord or one of the ministers of the Lord, okay, you know it's coming there uh, to be there for you, to love you and to hug you and to help you up and to dust you off. You know, and that's kind of the, the best way I can see it. Okay. Yeah, Satan is the, the accuser of the brethren, so you don't mm -hmm. want to end up being being one of his minions by going around it yeah. <laughs> making accusations. Do the other thing to, to remember. <laughs> yeah. The other thing to remember in a situation like this is that Jesus has the reason that Jesus has paid for our debt is mm -hmm. because we are not able to do that ourselves. And so when you mm -hmm. see somebody, um, I always, I always find that it, it's, it's good to remind them of that because Satan is probably already when you fall, Satan's there to accuse you. Mm -hmm. And as brothers, sometimes we need to remind, we, we need to remind each other of the hope that we have in Jesus and that, and that our sin, Jesus already took care of our sin issue on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so just because you find a brother living in sin um, doesn't mean that when you go to him, that all of a sudden that, that it needs to redefine your, your relationship, your friendship, um, you you can remind them of the fact that um, Jesus has taken care of this issue, and you're just trying to you're just trying to help them not to to miss out on his blessings as a, as a Christian because they're continuing to live in sin because it's it's the continued living in sin that becomes that becomes an issue. Um, I I also think that sometimes there's things where we think that somebody could do better with their character and and. To me, that's a good general rule as far as when we shouldn't bring something up is if you think that somebody has a character, flaw, that they're not as good of a Christian as that they could be. They're not as effective. They don't have as much fruit as you'd like to see. I think it's a good time to keep your mouth shut. If they're not living in yeah. sin, it's none of your business. <laughs> you know, let Jesus deal with those things. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, we're we're at the hour and five minute mark. I wanted to bring up two verses um, yeah. in my closing remarks, and then please uh, jump in with, with whatever you have, and we should say goodnight. So the two verses I wanted to bring up um, kind of paint a picture. So the one um, you made me think of when, when you were talking about this, as far as Jesus has already dealt with our sin, and it's in Psalm 103, 12. So that's Psalm 103, verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And something that's neat <clears throat> is when you look at a globe, um, if you start going north toward the North Pole, you're going due north, at some point you'll hit the North Pole and then you'll start going south. And the same way, if you go to the South Pole, sometime you'll cross over the South Pole and you'll start heading north. But if you go to the east, you will never start going west. Okay, if you go to the West, you will never just start a, going Just a east. quick apology to all of our Flat Earth followers. We're not trying to... Yeah, you. yeah we're not trying to set you aside and diminish your beliefs. We're just, we're talking to intelligent, competent people right now. <laughs> so you might not understand some of this, okay? <clears throat> so <clears throat> the neat thing is that 
the Lord has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Well, how far is that? Well, it's a it's a nifty little play on words that's that's explaining that it's infinitely far. It, it, he said he uh, our sins are drowned in the depths of the sea. Okay, that they're gone. So now the other thing that I want to bring up, the second verse was Revelation chapter twenty verse twelve, and this one sounds grim and dark and it's because it is but bear with me and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works now the neat thing is that there are multiple books talked about in the bible and you can do a little study on it that's fun to do but one thing that you find out is that when we stand before god <clears throat> these same books are present and there'll be a book written with that says caleb jenks and patrick hayes and the books will be opened <clears throat> and the sins in our life will be read in front of everybody and when god looks over at the angel holding the book and says go ahead and read the book the angel will reply it is empty Okay. The sins literally do not exist. It's not, they weren't, <clears throat> they weren't covered. Okay. They were cleansed. It's as if, it's as if they never happened. That's the difference between the blood of bulls and goats and the blood of Christ. Okay. It literally washed our sins away. They are totally gone. And that's something to remember with anybody struggling with sin and anybody helping a brother struggle with sin is we, we have to remember that Jesus already took care of it and they are gone. Okay. It's a very hard thing for a lot of Christians to get to where they can stand up and hold their head up and be proud to go right back to God. Okay, they confess their sins. First John 1 9, we confess our who he who is faithful. Um, if we are faithful, we will confess our sins, and or he who is faithful and just will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, that's the Christian's bar of soap. We go to God, we we apologize for what we have done, and we are right with God like that. There's no time of guilt and shame, there's no time of penance. You don't have to climb a mountain or crawl on your hands and knees. You are a child of God and the sins in your life do not exist. Get back on the horse and do the next right thing. So that that's the, the last thing. I don't know if it's applicable to tonight, but that's what I was thinking of when, when you we could do like we could just do like we did last time and just go on and for just another hour. Not stop it. And just I keep think going we have <laughs> I think we have a tonal uh, atonement coming up on one of our um uh is is on our list of, of of topics sure i think so yeah that'll be that'll be a good a good episode but yeah obviously um anybody that's a christian that that doesn't comprehend that that's a very important piece of the gospel is is jesus his blood doesn't just take care of the majority of your sins or the, the worst of your sins his his blood is adequate for all of it and mm -hmm. so uh, keep that in mind when 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 shepherding somebody or or pointing out a flaw in somebody's life that you don't have to you don't have to be there to punish them for that mm -hmm. problem you don't have to um you know that's between them and god the mm -hmm. the that sin has been has been lifted but it's not god's will for us to continually live in sin as christians we are supposed to rise above that
Yep. So it is, it's fine for us to call, it's fine for us to call that out when, when necessary. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that was um, hopefully the, our, our, our episode, the, the conclusion of this episode is that um, if you're going to judge, try to do it the right way. Yeah. Do it in a very a big stick that's sharp <laughs> so you can poke them properly. Did we cover that? The direction to poke them? <laughs> Exactly. How to poke, how to poke when you judge, mm-hmm. how to blow out. A yeah. Can. So Ferris like many of our episodes, this one, it's, it's, I enjoy the fact that sometimes we can spend a, a whole hour because oftentimes if I have a message at church or something, you'll get into something like this, but you don't really get time to actually examine the scriptures on, on both sides of, you know, it'll be something that comes up in a message or something, but to actually be able to spend a whole hour getting into something like this and, and seeing what the Bible really has to be meaning here in context. Um, I think in conclusion, um, which not that my opinion matters, but my, my opinion on this is, is that Matthew seven here um, and also Corinthians where it talks about um, judgment there as well, as far as us not answering to, to somebody else, it really doesn't matter. Um, you're, Patrick is not my judge. So Patrick can send me a text later tonight and say that, that he doesn't feel like I'm as good of a Christian as he is because his beard is longer and, you know, whatever, all mm-hmm. kinds of nasty things that Patrick might say to me. Mm-hmm. And I can send him back a smiley face and tell him, I don't answer to you, go home and get some sleep, and <laughs> take a chill pill. And at the end of the day, we really do our, our, our walk with God is between us and God. And, and we don't really answer to anybody but God. But part of us being the, the the iron that sharpens iron is being willing to have that accountability with other Christians. And, and I, I think that the bigger problem that we're addressing here isn't so much that you're um, that you're inspecting fruit the wrong way. You're looking too deep when you inspect the fruit, so to speak here. It's that um, the problem with that people have with this verse is taking it out of context and thinking that they should never, ever be subjected to any kind of judgment. It's none of your business. And I can live my life however I want. So as Christians, let's not fall into that trap where we become, have this defensive bubble around us and we can't ever let somebody be that iron that sharpens iron in our life because we're going to say, oh, don't judge me. You know, we just jump to that every time. I think we need to realize it's not what the Bible's getting at here. Um, yes, when you, when somebody does point that flaw out, they should have first dealt with the sin in their own life. And, and one thing that I, here I'm trailing on, but one thing that I had thought of when you were talking a few minutes ago is, um, it makes it a little bit easier um, when, when you have, when you have struggled, like, so Patrick has uh, come through an alcohol addiction years, years ago in his past. And if he goes to somebody and, and, and confronts them about them being addicted to alcohol and just being a, you know, a out of control alcoholic, they'll be able to receive that from Patrick different than they would from me when I've never, I mean, I've, I've had a drink, but I've never been drunk. And so for me to go and point that, that finger at somebody where I haven't first had to remove, remove that beam from my eye, maybe there's another brother in the church that could more effectively be able to address that person. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a situation in our church that happened a few years ago where I made a confession to having viewed pornography and, um, and you know, sexual immorality, um, impure thoughts. And that wasn't an easy thing for me to do, but I stood up in front of the whole church and made the confession. And, and through that, then um, there was within a, a few weeks, well, I think the same day, there was a couple other brothers that stood up and mentioned that they had struggled with the same thing. And within a few weeks, there was, I, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 of us, something like that from a few local churches that ended up getting together. And I had 
given an invitation to say, if anybody else is struggling with this, I've struggled with this. And so if anybody else struggles with this, feel free to come forward. And, and by me being willing to first pull the beam out of my own eye, I was able to, to be there to pray with other people and, and not that I had to fix their problems for them, but to be there to pray with them and try to have help with accountability there. It makes, it makes it a little bit easier when you're willing to humble yourself first and deal with an issue like that. I think that sometimes God can use you if, if you have first been willing to deal with your own sin issue. So I would say if you're ever going to get to the point of dealing with a sin issue in somebody else's life, don't be afraid to deal with your own sin. We all have sin. And there's some sins that we do need to deal with in, in an honest, open way. So specifically secret sins, I think, are good to be dealt with in a public way where you confess it and you, and you get that out of your life. Otherwise, the devil tries to keep you in darkness, keep you hiding in, in that area. So I would just say sometimes it helps when you can be honest about your own shortcomings. It really helps you to be able to be used by God to help somebody else out. There's there's maybe struggles that I've never had, and I would never be equipped to help somebody with that struggle. But maybe there's somebody else that is. Yeah. So that's just a thought that I had on that is, is maybe a, maybe a specifically if it's something you've struggled with. Um, maybe you're maybe you're more in the in the position to be able to walk somebody through that than, than somebody else would. Well, you know, now that you mentioned this, I feel led by God to, to bring up a portion of uh, the Mishnah that I've read. And I have uh, concurrent portions of the Talmud that talks about how if you're going to trim your beard, a, a three-eighths attachment is the shortest you're ever supposed to go. Uh, so I don't know if you've ever seen those, but, you know, you talked about using a quarter-inch attachment, <clears throat> making your beard, you know, biblically inappropriate so i just wanted to bring that up in case anyone else was thinking it you know let's let's just get it out on the table and that way we can deal all with this publicly <laughs> <laughs> okay sometimes i don't know how i ended up falling into such a such a pile of jerks <laughs> jerks for friends okay we've been at it for a long time so um all right thank you all for well you have a good night yeah, everyone have a good night. Shabbat shalom. We'll see you next week and we'll talk about idols and we'll see if I can make it through an hour without my head exploding when Caleb pushes every button that I have. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have to take his beard <laughs> off at the end of the next episode. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everyone. All right. Thanks, thanks Patrick. Caleb. Bye. All right. Bye.